And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Today I want to talk to you from Matthew chapter 25 about living out of the goodness of the Master, living out of the goodness of the Master. Uh, we'll start with verse 14. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents. Everybody say talent. What is he talking about here? Well, a talent originally was a weight of measurement and later it came to denote monetary value. In Jesus' day, a talent was approximately one large bag of silver, okay? So when it says it gave, he gave him five talents, he gave him five large bags of silver. I want you to see that in your mind here. He gave him five talents to one, two to another. So the second one gets two large bags of silver. And to another one, so he gets one large bag of silver, to each according to his ability. Everybody say ability. You see, we all are equal in God's sight. Amen? God loves us all. We're all made with certain inalienable rights. Amen? While we're all equal, we have different abilities and capacities and talents and, and personalities and temperaments and, and giftedness. We're all different. See, I may not be as gifted as you are. And you may be sitting beside somebody who's just super gifted. I know that when I first felt like God was calling me to be a pastor, I says, oh no, God, I can't do that. There's so many other people. Call them. They would be far better than me. I mean, I look at some of these guys that I would call five-star pastors, some of these guys that are mega talented. I mean, they are great when it comes to preaching and teaching, and they are great when it comes to pastoral care, and they're great when it comes to giving leadership and leading a staff and casting vision and taking a, a congregation forward. And I look at some of those guys and I say, God, it's just not fair. Well, one got five talents, one got two talents, and the other got one talent according to their ability verse 16 then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and he made another five talents he who had the five bags of silver he went and traded with them apparently he had to take some risk everybody say risk he had to take some risk. Maybe he went and, 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 and he bought some commodities and sold them. You know, maybe he went and bought some rice and some wheat and, and he took it down to Jerusalem, which was the largest city in Israel. Took it down to Jerusalem and to the marketplace and he sold his rice and he sold his wheat. And he didn't take his profits and go buy a new Apple's iPhone. He didn't go buy a new car. He didn't go buy a new house. He took all his profits and he reinvested them. Maybe this time he went and bought some barley and he took that down to Jerusalem. And there he resold the barley and he made a profit. Then maybe he, made, he bought some more rice, some more wheat. I don't know what he did, but he doubled his five bags of silver. Verse 17, likewise he would receive two gain 
two more. Again, the Bible doesn't tell us how this person who had the two bags of silver, the Bible doesn't say exactly how they created four bags of silver out of two bags of silver. But again, I believe this person had to take some risk. Everybody say risk. risk. Everybody say, I like risk as long as somebody else taking the risk. <laughs> you know, I don't know what he did. Maybe, maybe he went out and bought some sheep. Then at shearing time, he took the sheep to the sheep shearers and had the wool cut off. And then he took the wool to a weaver and had the wool made into some clothing. And then maybe he took the clothing to somebody that dyed clothing. You know, purple was real fashionable back in, in those days because it was a, 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 an imperial kingly royal color. Maybe he had it dyed purple. Then maybe he took it down to Jerusalem to the market and he sold it. And when he made his profit, he didn't go buy a new iPhone. No, he took it and he reinvested every single bit of it. And he doubled what the master had given him. Verse 18, but he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. Everybody say no risk. Verse 19, after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And so he had received the five talents, came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of of your Lord. He who also had received the two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man. The New Living Translation says, I knew you to be a harsh man. Okay, remember this master represents God in this story. Yeah, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. I think everybody in here can identify a bit with the fear that this man felt. I mean, what if he invested the money and lost it? What if he invested the money and there was an economic downturn? What if he had invested the money and somebody stole it from him? What if, what if, what if he just, just something bad happened? So he said, Lord, I, I hid it in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. Now I want you to catch this. Open up your ears and your hearts. Dear ones, this story says it's not the quantity that's important, but it is the fruitfulness. 
I'll say it again. It's not the quantity that's important here. See, one had five bags of silver, another had two bags, one had one bag. The master did not expect that the man with one bag of silver was going to actually create ten bags out of that because he only had one. It's not quantity that's important, but it is fruitfulness. It's not quantity, but it is use. There's something in this universe called the law of, univ- the law of use. And God has given you certain aptitudes, certain abilities, certain skills, and a life is a terrible thing to waste. He says it's not, it's not about how much you made, it's about the fact that you took it and hid it in the ground. There's also another law in this universe called the law of atrophy. If you take your arm and you bind it up to your side and you leave your arm bound up for six months, by the time you take that rope off, you're not going to be able to move your arm because atrophy will set into your muscles. Atrophy will set into your flesh. You will hardly be able to move it because it's either use it or lose it. Amen? Look at me again here, with me again. Verse 26, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown. I gather where I have not scattered seed, so you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him who, and give it to him who has ten talents. I mean, you know, that doesn't seem fair. I mean, this guy, he only had one to start with, and he's hidden it. He hadn't done anything with it. But it goes to the fellow that's got ten. Doesn't seem fair, does it? For to everyone who has, now listen to this, this is, this is Jesus speaking. He's saying this is a law of the kingdom. To everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have an abundance. He will have an abounding excess. And from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And he says, I want you to cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and there will be gnashing of teeth. Dear ones, let me share with you four four things that I learn and four things that I pray as I read this passage of Scripture just for my own life. The first is taken in verses 24 through 25. Then he would receive the one talent, verse 24. The one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid, so I hid your talent in the ground. I knew you to be a hard man. Everybody look at me, hear me. There are some people, they love God, they attend church, but they look at God as a hard God. They look at God as a difficult God, as a condemning God. They have that kind of attitude as a harsh God. But I can tell you, I have asked God many times, Lord, would you please help this boy to live his life out of the goodness of the Lord? Would you help me to live my life out of the goodness of the Lord? You see, you have a spirit 
about your life. You have an attitude about your life. There are three servants. They all serve the same master, but two had a good attitude. They saw the master as good. Yes, they may have been afraid to take some risk, but they did it anyway. But there is one who didn't see the master as good. He saw the master as harsh. He saw the master as hard. And he was scared to death of something happening with what the master had given him. Dear ones, look at me. There is fear in this old world. And you may have to face fear. But don't let fear paralyze you. Don't let fear cause you to make bad decisions. You may be shaking and quivering in your boots. But you go right on ahead. And you make those decisions. And you go forward in life you may have sweat literally coming down between your shoulder blades your knees may be knocking but dear ones you go ahead and do it anyway do not let fear define your life we have a spirit about our lives some people have a negative spirit some people have a harsh spirit some people have a fault-finding spirit David in Psalms 51, verse 12, he says, Lord, uphold me with thy generous spirit. Say generous. Generous. Uphold me with your generous spirit. That's a great spirit to have. That's the spirit that our Lord Jesus Christ had. Uphold me with that generous spirit. Dear ones, there are vultures and there are hummingbees. Vultures and hummingbees both fly around looking for something. Vultures are looking for dead carcasses. And hummingbees are looking for life. They're looking for nutrition. They're looking for fresh vegetation. Dear ones, I don't want to live my life like a vulture who's just flying around looking for something dead. Dear ones, I'd rather be that hummingbee bird That hummingbird that flies around looking for something that's alive and something that's fresh. Because I'm going to tell you something. Vultures find what they're looking for and hummingbees, hummingbirds, I'll get it right. (laughs) The bees and the birds, they find what they're looking for. Here's the point. You're going to find what you're looking for. I think about some people in the Bible who thought that God was difficult. Uh, You know, Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. See, at some point in time, old Demas, he thought, you know, it's just too hard to serve God. I'm going to go back out into the world. I think about Job's wife. Job one of the wealthiest men on the face of the earth. He lost his wealth, he lost his health, and he lost his children. And his wife said, Job, just curse God and die. Just get it over with. You see, Mrs. Job viewed God as a harsh God. But Job didn't share that perspective because Job would would say later in his book, he says, I know my Redeemer lives. I know, oh, I may be going through a tough time. He says, it it may be very, very uncomfortable and no fun today, but I know that I've got a redeemer who lives and I'm going to see him one day face to face. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I think about John Mark. 
You know, I thank God for John Mark because without him, we wouldn't have the gospel of Mark. But did you know there was a season in his life, John Mark had actually gone on a mission field with his uncle Barnabas and with the apostle Paul, and they got over into modern day Turkey. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 13, that John Mark didn't want anything more to do with that. That was just way too hard. He didn't want any part of that ministry, and he left him and he went back to Jerusalem. And of course, Barnabas, who's got a heart of compassion and is an encourager, he wants to help John Mark get back into the ministry. He says, come on, Paul, let's take him. And in Acts chapter 15, Paul says, no way, Jose, man, he deserted us back there in chapter 13. I'm not going to take him now. And in fact, the tension and conflict got so strong that they ended up parting ways. And Paul took on Silas and went on with the ministry. And Barnabas and his nephew Mark end up going to Cyprus to minister. But we know that Mark continued with the ministry. And we know this, dear ones, that by the end of his life, that Paul was, was again united with Mark because he writes in 2 Timothy, he says, bring Mark and bring the parchments that I left and also bring the cloak that I left in Troas. But tell Mark to come on and help me. And we know that Mark became a mighty man of God. Everybody look at me. Everybody put your best ears on. I don't care if you fall sometimes. I don't care if sometimes things don't work out. I'm telling you the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. And even if he stumbles, he's not utterly cast down because the, 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 the righteous hand of the Lord will lift him up. Hallelujah. John Mark may have stumbled. He may have fallen. He may have got his perspective of God off base. But dear ones, he got it back. And I don't, you know, sometimes people are just ugly to us. And sometimes people do things they shouldn't do. But I'll tell you, I've learned something as a pastor. I've learned this about people. People can always repent. People can always change. As long as there's a God on the throne, as long as the blood of Jesus is still availing for sin, people can change. Don't you write somebody off. God's got great plans. I'm glad he didn't write me off. Hallelujah. I think about the 10 spies back here in Numbers chapter 13. They failed to understand the goodness of God. Numbers chapter 13 verse 1. It says, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving. Everybody say, I'm giving. I'm giving to the children of Israel from each tribe of their fathers. You shall send a man, everyone a leader among them. Then verse 26, they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified. They're very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and among the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Caleb quieted the people. Dear ones, there are times that you're going to have to quiet unbelief that's around you. There are times that you're going to have to quiet unbelief in your own heart. That's what Jesus did. Remember, he was praying for Jairus' daughter. He put everybody out of the room because he was quieting unbelief. Huh. 
Joshua is one of these spies. Maybe Joshua was thinking about this incident in chapter 13 when over in Joshua, when they're taking the, the city of Jericho, they're marching and for six days they're marching. And on the seventh day they march and they blow the, the ram's horns and they shout. But up until that time, there was no talking. They were marching, they were blowing the horns, but there was no talking. I don't know that Joshua wasn't just quieting unbelief. Dear ones, there are times that you've got to quiet the unbelief that may be in your own household. Sometimes you've got to quiet the unbelief that's coming over the internet. Sometimes you've got to quiet the unbelief that's coming over your news feed. Sometimes you've got to quiet the unbelief that will try to assail your very senses and say, no, I believe the Lord my God. Hallelujah. Now, Amen. Well, let's just clap. Come on. Hallelujah. Caleb quieted the people before Moses. See, Caleb had surveyed the same land the other people had surveyed. He had seen the walled city. He had seen the giants. He had seen the problems. He saw the obstacles. But he knew that Moses had said back in verse 2, send men to spy out the land that I am giving them. He knew that God was giving them. Folks, faith in God does not deny that there's a problem. Faith in God does not deny that there's a sickness. It doesn't deny that there's a heartache or there's a problem. But faith in God declares the promises of God in the face of the problem. It declares, I know my Redeemer lives and He's going to help me to see Him face to face one day. Verse 31, but the men who had gone up with him said, we're not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. Everybody look at me. I want you to hear this. As long as you're looking at your own resources, why did the man hide his talent in the ground? Why did he hide his bag of silver? Because he was looking to himself. Dear ones, if I thought that I just had to look to myself and my own abilities as the pastor of this church, I would have resigned a long, long time ago. Don't you ever believe that it's just up to you? I want you to know that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. It's not just up to you. They said, we're not able to go against the people for they're stronger than we are. The devil wants you to give up. Aren't you glad that Joseph didn't give up when his brothers sold him into slavery? Aren't you glad that Moses didn't give up when old Pharaoh kept saying, no, 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 no? Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that David didn't give up when Saul tried to kill him again and again and again and again? If you look to yourself, you're going to say, no, God's a harsh God. But if you'll look to him, he'll help you. Verse 32, and they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land. A bad report is any report that limits God. Psalm 73 verse 40 says they limited the Holy One of Israel. They said, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak come from the giants. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sights. Dear ones, 
The devil wants you to see yourself as a grasshopper and he wants you to see your problems as giants and walled cities. He wants you to see God as a bad God. He wants you to see God as somebody who you can't rely upon as a God who will not come through for you. But dear ones, you and I, if we choose, can live our life out of the goodness of the Lord. I think about David, the king of Israel, who the Bible says was a man after God's own heart. It was David who says, I believe that I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. What made him a man after God's own heart? He lived his life out of the goodness of God. He lived his life out of the goodness of the master. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Well, I get excited whether you do or not. Amen. Amen. Look again at verse 24 with me of back in Matthew 25 now. Verse 24, then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, a harsh man, reaping where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. Dear ones, this man, this third man, he did not allow the gift of God to touch his life. I'm saying that you can say a sinner's prayer. I'm saying that you can go through the motions and you can attend church. You can try to do the right thing, but you've got to allow the sweet anointing of the Holy Spirit. You've got to allow the anointing and the power and the presence of God to touch your life. You see, the other two men, they allowed the gift of God to touch their life, and it brought increase into their life. It changed them forever. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I gave you two, you made two more, now you got four. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You started with five bags of silver, now you got ten. Enter into the joy of the Lord. I'm happy for you. You and I have to allow the gift of God to touch our life. You say, what are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about that precious anointing of the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about the visible manifest presence of God. Jesus said, as many as hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be filled. And folks, on, on Sunday, it's easy to stand and preach. But on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, that's when we've got to say, Jesus, I'm hungry for more of you today. I want more of you. I'm going to go to your word and I'm going to spend time in your word. I want more of you. I'm going to spend time in prayer. I'm going to spend time listening. How many of you know the, if you listen to the right kind of worship music, it can make a huge difference? It'll do you a whole lot of good. It'll help you a whole lot more. Jesus said, be careful what you hear. It'll help you a whole lot more than listening to one of those somebody done me wrong songs. Hallelujah. Lord, I'm pressing into you. I want the gift of God to touch my life. I don't want to be the same person that I used to be. Glory to God. I'll tell you the third thing that I pray when I read this parable is I say, Lord, I want to live from a spirit that advances your domain. I want to live with a spirit that advances the cause of Christ all over this world. I want to live with a spirit that advances the cause of the local church everywhere. Because I believe, I thank God for governments, I thank God for schools. But I believe the hope of the world is the local body of Christ. Because government doesn't really have the answer. 
In schools, they don't always have the answer. I told you last week that, that now the, the Wharton School of Business, the Harvard Business School, and many MBA programs across America, the, the raging question is, what is one source that we can use to teach ethics? Duh. How can we teach people that it's wrong to steal? How can we teach people that it's wrong to lie? How can we teach people that it's wrong to cheat? Duh. And we've got atheists wanting to take the Ten Commandments out of our public life. And then we wonder why society begins to crumble and begins to disintegrate. I tell you, God's a good God. Peter preached to Cornelius' household in Acts chapter 10. He says, let me tell you how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good, healing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil. You know, I haven't always believed that God was a good God. Oh, I was raised in church. I probably used to get saved every time we had an evangelist come. Somebody asked, do you believe in backsliding? Not only do we believe in it, sometimes we practice it. I was a senior in high school when I gave my heart to Jesus, and I meant business. Hallelujah. No turning back. No turning back. Hallelujah. Thank God for His grace. Man, I'm a trophy of grace. I deserve death and hell. I deserve eternity separated from God, but God had mercy on me. Hallelujah. But you know, when I was about in the eighth, ninth grade, my dad, who had been a businessman, dad owned a restaurant here in town with some more people, and, and he also was in the insurance business, and, 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 and life was good for us. My dad announced to our family, says, I feel that God's telling me that I'm supposed to begin a traveling ministry, and I'm supposed to be an evangelist and that means I'm going to be gone away from home. I didn't even know what that meant. All I realized later is that dad would go and he would hold meetings and he would not be there. And there were times that I felt like I needed my dad and I would cry myself to sleep at night and just kind of bitter, God, why are you taking my dad? You're a mean God. You can be a buzzard if you want to. You can be a vulture if you want to. You can go around looking for dead things. Or you can be a hummingbird or a hummingbee. (laughs) And you can find live things. I thought God had ripped us off. When I was about 14, 15 years of age, there would be pastors that would call our house trying to find dad. And many times he was out of town and I would say, he's not here. And The pastor would say, well, get his calendar, if you would, son, and tell me when he might be able to come to my church to hold a revival. And I would say, you know what? He stopped doing that. He's no longer holding revivals. That was a lie. But I wanted my dad home. Thank God that he forgives us. Thank God for his mercy. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let me share with you the the fourth thing that 
that I pray when I read this passage and meditate on it. I say, Jesus, I want to live my life out of the faithfulness of God. I want to live my life out of the faithfulness of God. Wednesday night, I was sharing about the spirit of faith as Paul writes about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. And I was reminded of when Kathy and I first moved to Illinois to plant the congregation, I didn't have enough faith to believe God. Oh, I thought I did. I thought I was God's man of faith and power for the hour. But we've been up there just almost a year, and I just realized I didn't have enough faith to believe God for all the things that needed to happen. But I realized that my faith in him comes out of his faithfulness. Habakkuk says twice, three chapters, that's all it is, minor prophet Habakkuk. The just shall live by faith. Paul picks up that theme in the book of Romans. The just shall live by faith. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Hallelujah. I'm telling you, God is for you today. And we can live our lives out of his faithfulness, not out of our own faithfulness, but out of his faithfulness. But you got to count him faithful. You know, for a lot of years, Christians have been comforted by the story of Horatio Spafford. Horatio Spafford was a businessman, businessman in the 1860s. He was buying a lot of real estate and things were going good for him. And he was in the city of Chicago and he decided that he was going to focus on the waterfront property that was adjacent to Lake Michigan. Then in 1871, they had the great fire of Chicago. All the structures were wooden. His property burned up, but he's still on the real estate, right? According to on Lake Michigan. I'll tell you what they did. They took all the charred embers from that fire and they put them along the shores of Lake Michigan and they just extended the beach is what they did. And suddenly his property that had been waterfront property was now about a mile from the lake. He was going under fast financially. The year before, he and his wife had lost their little boy. He had died. And there were members of D.L. Moody's church. They heard that Dr. Moody was going to be holding services in Wales and in England and other places in Europe. And so Horatio Spafford, who had lost almost everything, he put his wife and his four daughters on a ship and they began sailing to Wales. And at the last minute, he, he was going to go with them. At the last minute, he had some business issues come up and he says, I'll meet you over there, guys. Some of you remember the story. His wife cabled him some weeks later and said, honey, the ship went down just 12 miles off the coast of Cardiff, Wales. I'm saved alone. Lost his son, lost his finances, lost four daughters. Somewhere on his voyage from America over to Wales, he wrote these words. He says, when peace like a river attends my way, 
when sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, the trial should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. And Lord, haste the day when my face shall be sight, when the clouds be rolled back like a scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. Dear ones, there are times that we just have to say, Lord, there are things I don't understand. I've been through some things. And Lord, I know that you're at work inside me, but Lord, it still hurts. And I'm going through this pain and I'm going through this difficulty. Lord, I may not understand it this side of heaven but Lord I'm just going to declare that my Redeemer lives I'm going to declare that you are working in my life I'm going to declare that faithful is he that has called me who will also bring it to pass I'm going to declare it is well it is well it is well with my soul hallelujah glory to God Norm, come on to the keyboard, and let me just tell you one more story. Kathy and I had pioneered the church in, on the north shore of Chicago, and we were a couple of years old, and one day I got a call from a man, and I could tell he was angry. He wanted to meet, and he insisted that we meet on Saturday afternoon before Easter Sunday, Okay. So you have Good Friday, and then you got Saturday before Easter, and then you got Easter Sunday. How many of you know Easter is a big thing for preachers? It's a big thing for pastors. This man was insisting that we meet. I got there, and he had one of his buddies there, and I thought, this is not going to go good. I got to his house and sat down, and I knew his wife was a musician with our worship team. And I was vaguely aware that there had been some conflict between his wife and some more of the people, but I didn't know the details. And on that Saturday, late Saturday afternoon, it's about five o'clock in the afternoon, that man began to tell me off in no uncertain terms told me everything he didn't like about me. I'm a southerner. I don't like your dialect. I don't like the way you sound when you talk. God help me to keep my mouth shut. Sometimes you're far better off just to keep your mouth shut. God just help me just to he told me off. He was so mad. Told me how hurt his wife was. I didn't have anything to do with it. I'm just happy to be the pastor. So I guess he figured he's going to go to the head guy. That's, that's what he was doing. And I'm sitting there thinking, why isn't he telling off the other people that's part of the worship team instead of me? But he just let me have it. And it went on and on and on. And I'm just keeping my mouth shut. And then his friend jumps in on it. 
I got home about 7.30 that night. Walked in and Kathy says, what's wrong? She could look at me and tell something was wrong. I didn't say anything to her. I went down, had a basement office at home. I just went down in my basement office, just got on my face before God. And I said, God, if it was up to me, I'd leave today. We had taken our retirement and cashed it in. And that's what we'd used as the seed money to get the church started. And I'm thinking, God, I didn't come up here to be treated like this. Then I remembered. I remembered in the Beatitudes. I think it's about verse 11. Jesus said, blessed are you when men say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. For great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Great is your reward in heaven. I remember the time I would have if I was serving in the church and I just heard that maybe I was making coffee and I heard that somebody didn't like the coffee I made, I'd have gotten offended and gotten hurt and backed up. And that Saturday night, I just said, God, I don't feel like preaching tomorrow. Tomorrow's Easter Sunday and it's a time of resurrection, a time of celebration. I don't feel like it, God. I went to bed that night, not even sure what I was going to preach on. But early the next morning, I woke up and the Holy Ghost started speaking to me from Romans chapter 8, verse 11. This says, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he will give life to your mortal bodies. If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. He will give life to your mortal bodies. I'm just telling you, we've got a God who wants to give life to your mortal bodies and he's already done it. He's done everything he's gonna do. He, Jesus has died on the cross. He's ascended back to the right hand of the Father. We're waiting for Jesus to return, but in the meantime, he has sent the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we're saying, oh God, this is so bad. Please come deliver me. And God's sitting there saying, I want you to count me faithful and allow the greater one to come forth in you. Allow the one who raised Christ from the dead to give life to you right now. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I want to live my life out of the goodness of the Lord. Doesn't mean there aren't problems. Doesn't mean there's not challenges. Many may be the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivers us out of them. Oh. It scares me to think that I was this close to living a life of bitterness towards God because my dad had gone into the ministry and said yes to the plan of God for him. It scares me to think that I almost had a bad attitude almost didn't make it. But God had mercy. I'm telling you, God had mercy and he had grace. And his grace is sufficient for you. His grace is sufficient for me. Hallelujah. Glory to God.
Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Yesterday, as I was praying, we had our men's breakfast yesterday morning. Guys, if you weren't here, you missed it. It was fantastic. It was wonderful food and fellowship. It was good, good, good. I was driving home, Justin, and I was praying, and I started thinking about you and Amy. And I just saw myself ministering to you. I bless you. I bless you. And I would remind you today that there's a God that sees in secret and he rewards openly. And God sees the sacrifices that you've made. And God sees the things that you've done behind the scenes that nobody knows about. And God sees the seed that you've sown. And God sees the, 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 the tears and he sees the heartache. And he sees what you've been through. But he's going to make it up to you. He's going to make it up to you. And he's got big, big plans. And you're not to make any small plans. You're not to make small plans for your business. And you're not to make small plans for your ministry. God is faithful. And faithful is he that has called us who will also bring it to pass. And Brother Errol, for so many years, for so many years, you've been like a beacon in this town. For so many years, you've, you've led worship over Christian heritage and in the good times and the challenging times. For so many years, God has used you. And Lord God, I ask you to bless my brother Errol. I ask you to bless my sister Pat. God, bless their children and their grandchildren. Bless their finances. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord God, I just speak the mind of Christ to Brother Errol. God, I speak a renewed mind, a transformed mind. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound or disciplined mind. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Miss Julie, I may not be able to run back there right now, but I know it's been hard since Milford went home to heaven. I know it's been hard. You've had to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Mary, can you can you just turn around there and both Marys, you got two Marys right there by you. In Jesus' name. God, I thank you for strengthening Julie. I thank you, Lord God, for ministering to her. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you for the comfort of the Holy Ghost. I thank you for the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. I bless you, Rennie. I bless you, I bless you, Glenn. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If I had time this morning, I'd just, I'd like nothing better than to walk this whole auditorium and just lay hands on every single one of you and prophesy to you and bless you. In Jesus' name. Life gets hard sometimes, doesn't it? Lord God, I just bless you.
I bless you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. Just letting that pain go. Just let it out. Just let it go. Cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. Thank you, Jesus. Just let it out. Just let it go. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, the Bible says that Jesus was moved with compassion. And I don't know a whole lot about it, but what I do know is this. There are times that I'll start to pray for somebody. And God, like I'm praying for Steve now, I, I can just, I can feel Sometimes my heart starts to break and I feel a little bit of what they're feeling. I think that's what it is to experience that compassion. And when you feel compassion for somebody, I believe sometimes it's the Holy Spirit saying, I want to do something in their life. Maybe God might want you to give them some money. God might want you to, to bless them or, or, or to bring a prophetic word. Or, 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 or you, you know, Jane, you've got such a prophetic gift in your life. Yeah, you've got a prophetic gift in your life. You've got a prophetic, I just see you just, I see God just using you to encourage and bring words of knowledge. And it won't come across like, hey, you know, it's just going to be real easy going. Matter of fact, you're just sharing a conversation in the spirit of God. Just using you. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's close this service this morning. Let's just all stand. Let's stand. And if you would say, I want to live my life out of the goodness of God. I want to live my life out of the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ. If that's you, I'm going to ask you just to come down here. And we're going to close with a time of worship around the altar. I'm going to ask as many of you as will to come forward. Slip out from where you're standing. Lord, I want to live my life out of the goodness of the Master. I want to live my life out of the goodness of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on up all the way to the front so people can come in behind you, if you will. Hallelujah. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.